Good morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. Today we're going to be talking with Mark Rind from ADP. And Mark is the head of ADP's Data Analytics and Big Data Initiative. Mark, how are you this morning? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm fantastic. Would you take a moment and introduce yourself? Absolutely. I'm Mark Rind. I'm Chief Data Scientist and VP of Product Development for ADP's Data Cloud. I've been at ADP for, wow, 15 years now, um, worked on many different projects, but the one um, that I've been working on over the last few years is, um, is Data Cloud, which is, you know, through ADP's products, um, figuring out ways to share data with our clients in new ways, new and exciting ways, um, but also give them context so they can see their own numbers. But also the big thing for us from a big data and data science perspective John, is to kind of put that in context about how those numbers, say overtime rate or new hire um, retention rates compared to those in the industry. So that's where it, it really starts getting interesting and, and groundbreaking. So that's me. How'd you get to be a data scientist? I, I mean, if you've, if you've been at ADP for 15 years, you're old enough to have, have been around before there were data scientists. So, yeah, well, so uh, some, something happened. You didn't... You didn't um, <laughs> spend your early childhood in the sandbox dreaming of counting things. Well, I don't know about that. Well, um, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not in the sandbox, but it feels like that long ago. I, I came to ADP 15 years ago as, um, as a DBA. So I've always been the database administrator. Um, I've always been um, my whole, pretty much my professional career. I've always been interested in and around everything data. And then just by being at ADP for 15 years, um, you ultimately become something of a subject matter expert when it comes to um, data in and around HR. So a data scientist, ultimately, there are three schools of any data scientist. There's the, um, there's the engineering end of it, right? Um, that's where probably I'm most strongest. Um, statistics, you have to have a good, solid understanding of statistics, and that's where my upbringing of, of counting in the sandbox certainly helps and comes in. Um, but also the third is you've, you've got to understand the domain, um, understand what's important because all of the engineering and, and math still won't be able to solve business problems unless you truly understand what data would help you solve those, those issues that people are looking for. So that's, um, that's how I ultimately became to be a, a data scientist over the past um, uh, 15 years, more recently in the past five years, just really taking our data now doing something more with it than just producing reports, but actually going out and figuring out ways to solve problems, whether it be within HCM or just helping people get through their, their jobs every day. So now I'm going to ask you the hard question. What does okay. ADP do? What does ADP do? ADP, Automated Data Processing, um, uh, has been processing, uh, started as um, payroll processing, and we've been doing it now for almost 70 years. Um, probably one of the first true cloud SaaS solutions uh, started right here in New Jersey when um, our founders realized that, you know what, many organizations don't want to have to handle the hassle of pay the payroll end of things. Um, and we've been um, handling the, the filings and payroll from the very beginning. But also over the years, obviously going beyond just payroll, 
getting into all areas of talent and benefits and time clocking and everything around organizations and, and how they help manage their most valuable resources. And that, that's, of course, the people. Um, so ADP um, now pays uh, one in six people in the U.S. Um, I've also heard a great stat that probably uh, one in three people at some point in their careers have been paid by ADP at one point or another. Um, and being a one of the first SaaS solutions, um, through that has been um, collecting and aggregating and anonymizing quite a bit of data um, over the years. And that it's that data set that really um, excites us and um, kind of is a, is a big deal for us and, and makes a lot of this machine learning and artificial intelligence um, around the world of work even possible. So, so that data set, that data set, which uh, as, as near as I can tell is the largest data set in the HR space by orders of magnitude. Could, tell me some more about what's in it. I mean, that, 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 there's, sure. it's, it is this unimaginable pile of information um, that's composed of data about pay and work. And uh, how, how do you characterize that great big pile of stuff? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. Well, I mean, first of all, the, the use of it started um, really with the National Employment Report, which is almost, um, it's be, it moves markets. When that report releases on what's going on across industries, um, it actually impacts um, the financial markets. Um, it's that powerful a set of data. Um, and that is primarily around the payroll and the hiring and the, and the movement. But it goes way beyond that, right? Because it's not just having a rich um, data set historically. It's also being able to tie payroll into how organizations are structured, team structures, um, because we understand who reports into whom, um, understand the types of industries and companies and organizations that they work for from, you know, three people to 30,000. Um, it, it understand about time, absence rates, um, benefit election. So the list goes on and on in and around everything that um, goes on around how people work and how organizations em employ and work with people. So that's, um, it's a very unique data set. And it's, it is, um, it's also, you cannot get more accurate around, it's nothing is self-reported. It's the actual numbers that end up on your W-2. So it's not you know, if you're saying, well, how much did, did you make? Uh, you know, you, you can't make it up, right? This is the actual number. So it's um, it's quite unique uh, in its data set. And obviously taking it, anonymizing it, aggregating it, um, getting it and normalized is, is, you know, a lot of what we do. Um, it's because every organization looks at their own organization differently sometimes. You know, job titles might be different or department names will all be, you know, per organization. So a lot of what we do is taking that data set, looking at signals of the data in there and being able to kind of come up with standard, you know, standardization of data so that we can build these benchmarks to explain, you know, companies of, of certain size, what do they see in absence of particular job types, let's just say. And by job, you know, it matches back to jobs which make sense to those clients. So um, that's what, you know, gets us very excited about this data and, and keeps me, um, excited to come into work every day. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. Um, 
uh, as recently, I think, as when you started um, the big project that you built on five years ago, say, um, um, the the normalization of job titles was was still at the edges of possibility. Everybody knew that you could do it maybe and that it would unlock this big pile of data that ADP owns, but it was still rocket science. And, and it sounds right. like you have put that question to bed, that you have figured out how to make what we call uh, this over in company A the same as what we call that over in company B. Is that, is that right? Yeah, and it's interesting. It, it, and there's two reasons, there's two really big reasons why we think we have a really good handle on this. And it, is, and it will evolve, right? Um, but there's two major factors. One is the, that, you know, we have so many uh, employees that we're working with um, and information and, and features and signals about what they're doing and the co- kinds of companies that they work for, industries and whatnot, that we're able to, at scale, kind of get them into shape, right, and normalize. The second piece, John, is is really any true solid machine learning method needs a human touch, meaning um, uh, almost like a course correction, almost like if you're raising your child, right, they, they're going to try things and be wrong sometimes, and you just have to nudge them back into place. And um, so our models, whenever it does run and it guesses and it, and it looks at getting particular folks into a specific job type, it's basically put into the hands of our clients the ability to say, you know what, that, that job doesn't necessarily describe them really well and just move them into another, um, kind of move them into another classification. By doing that, it kind of updates our models, right, so that we're, we're doing better for next time. So it's, it's always getting stronger and smarter um, and, you know, always comes back with confidence scores um, telling us that they're in the right spot. So that's, that's one of the, the interesting things about machine learning. It's not a one and done. It's not a rules-based uh, approach. It's got to be, you know, just constantly having a data coming in and then having that human end of to kind of help guide it and to, um, and to correct it when it needs to be. That's really interesting. I'm struck by the the fact that that that's the relationship that ADP has always had with its customers, isn't it? That that you you get the payroll information and then the customer looks at it and tweaks it. That's right. right. It's, it's, exactly. It, it right. right. They get the payroll. They're going to get the payroll information and and anything from you know because it's all it's it because it's out in front of them and by them I mean the practitioners, but also the HR, and now getting into the hands of the managers and even down to the employee who, you know, through the through our mobile app, you know, comes in and checks their pay stub, right? We have opportunities to collect more information from everyone that we work with to just improve the models, right? And that's, that's key, right? That it's that crowdsourcing of, um, it's almost crowd teaching, right? To have all of these you know, professionals and um, humans who have been doing it kind of help guide it, right? And that doing it at a scale really, really helps any machine learning and AI project. So that's what that's what makes us very excited about it. Yeah. So I I don't think that every 
the cloud provider has that relationship with their clients. I, th I think it's a unique differentiation. Um, uh, mostly people get output from their machines and they take it and run with it. The idea yeah. that it's normal to have an interaction with the data, that that's, that that's what you really do is you get the data and you double check it. You don't just assume that what comes out of the machine is correct. That's the way. That's the way forward for everybody. But but that's not what most software companies do with their clients. Yeah, and it's also. I mean, it's something that we think it's so essential because even exposing data and having it go even beyond the HR function, right, and having that information out pushed out to managers and executives, right, who also you know the folks that are managing the people might know more intimately at large organizations, especially like how are the skill levels? Is this really the job that they're performing? Of course, HR is very much involved, but in order, and this is our, you know, our big philosophy of ours, in order to really unleash the power of the data, um, we want to get it out into the hands of the managers and execs, right? And in turn, you know, I think historically there's always been you know, in the HR function that worry that, well, I don't know how good this data is and is this data exactly right and how is this calculated? And But really, truly, the only way to really get the most out of it is to expose it and then understand where can it be corrected. And by having the managers, by having the organization, because they, they know, you know, hey, look, they were the ones that put the data sometimes incorrectly in in the first place. But their ability to correct it and improve that data is is the only way that true you know HR analytics and intelligence is going to help impact the business, right? Because you have to get this information on a regular clip into the hands of the people that are making the decisions, and there's got to be that trust factor. Um, and having trust in the data, and having that data cleaned, and having it um, be uh, correct. And not just a, here's the number, that's it, much like you said, John, no, without a feedback loop. You've got to have that feedback loop in there, and you've got to be comfortable with saying, hey, the more you expose it, the better the data is going to be. Make You're sense. listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. Did you know 86% of career seekers would commit five years to an employer offering a student loan repayment benefit program? Even more amazing, only 4% of employers offer one. BenefitEd makes it easy to introduce this in-demand benefit any time of year. Simple administration for you, simple sign-up for employees. You can help them pay down student loans or save for college. Compete for the best and build your dream team. Learn more at ubenefited.com slash hrx. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrx. We're so happy to have those guys as sponsors. So, Mark, I want to take you back into the new product that you guys are bringing into market, which I think you call, the last time I heard the name, it was cloud data. Is that right? Oh, a data cloud, data cloud. Data yeah, cloud. Right. Yep. So, t so tell me about that. Yeah, sure. So data cloud... Um, it's been it's been going for a while now for a few years and it's really it's everything in and around all the data around um, your organization and also having um, the executive insights on you know how you look in the industry 
um, and kind of sharing it out to our users in an easy to understand, adopt, and, and to take action approach. Um, and that's where, um, you know, it's really been taking very deep data science and, you know, some complex things, but really boiling it down to something that is easy to understand, adopted, and, um, you know, take action with. And lately we've been, we've been finding some great success in, you know, understanding that, hey, these are very strategic insights and we really, for it to really be most powerful, we're going to get it into the hands of the managers. But the managers and executives are not in their HR system every day, right? They're busy managing their workforce. So um, what we've done is we've leveraged the power of this mobile application, you know, ADP's mobile app, which is, I think, like the number one or two most downloaded app on the, in the business section from the, from the iTunes store. Um, because people go in and they check and they manage their schedule. They check their, their pay stubs and whatnot. And now what they can do if they are managers, they're getting the insights on their mobile. But it's, it goes beyond just having the data there. What we've done is realizing, again, that you know, these folks are busy running their, their organization We've built in the intelligence to do the mining of the data for them. So any insights, whether you are way above or below um, within your peer group, whether you have a spike or a slope of something that's changing drastically, or you know, you, if you have like a, a, an anomaly going on within your data, such as like if I have five stores, my overtime spend overall is great, but I have one of the, it would be even better if I, you know, if I understood and knew that one of those stores is really bleeding excessive overtime costs. Pointing them in that direction, pushing those insights to them um, through our headlines. So they, on their phone, they can check in on it and the headlines of the most important things about your data that you should know are pushed out to them. Then as they start interacting with the app, and this is again where that feedback comes in, John, where they're getting at the data, they're seeing it, they have the ability, well, first of all, just by clicking through it, but also giving feedback, is this helpful? They can export it, they can send it to others. And by taking those actions, the intelligence starts to figure out, well, what's most important to that user and really becomes that assistant that can anticipate what, what kinds of data are gonna be most important to them. So it's really like through doing this, it's unleashing this data and also helping the organization adopt this information, right? This data that now they're seeing for the first time because it's easy, it's being pushed to them, they can take action on it, and it's going to them versus them having to go hunt for it themselves. And that's, that's what has us really excited these days, John. That's great. I, I believe you, you were telling me about um, uh, feedback from user groups that, that, that make you think you're getting better levels of adoption than you, you, than you expected, or, or there's, yep. there's, there's, something, there's some story that you were going to tell me. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. One of our clients, um, retail, large retailer, really been trying to focus in on controlling their overtime spent in their various locations. And um, what they've been able to do is, you know, they've been working on, they've been improving. But once they were able to get this information into the into the manager's hands at all of those locations, um, so that they see it, be, it immediately, you know, they realize that they're they become accountable. They, this, this number is something that they know they need to keep down. And when they're seeing it every day and giving them 
points of, you know, this is, you know, this is maybe the shift that, that has too many, or you're, you're having problems in particular departments. Um, they saw seriously the improvement year over year um, go up by 400%. I mean, it was four times as impactful to their strategy on cutting down within their overtime and it, it, their, their overtime spend, their improvement year over year where in the prior quarter before unleashing it, they, did, they were doing well. It was almost like two to 3% improvement, but then it shot up to um, eight and a half, almost 9% improvement year over year in their overtime. Just because, and that's just simply getting the data into the hands of the people that ultimately are accountable for it um, and pointing them in a the direction of, okay, you, we know overtime is important. This is where you can um, have the greatest impact. And just by having that number out there, it keeps it at top of mind. And that's, that's what we're all about, right? It's, it's around finding the insights and helping that manager manage better. Not, not you know, uh, direct, not taking over their job or anything like that. It's, it's really pointing them in a direction. Here's where, you know, you should go apply your, your skills to fix a problem. And that's, um, and that's our executive manager insight um, via mobile or iPad. And that's, there's a lot of excitement around getting these insights, digging in, uh, helping out the manager know uh, where they should start, um, start in improving things that are important. It sounds so simple, but it's it's where the where the real bang for the buck is right now in intelligent tools. So so what you do is you take data that you have that they gave you um, and you put it back in their pockets so they've got real time feedback about how their business is operating. I think you also, if I'm not mistaken, provide additional context in terms of industry trends uh, so that. So that if there is some variance between the plan and what's going on, you can see how it's going in other similar businesses. Isn't that right? That's exactly it, John. Like it's, it's exposing, of course, everyone might want to keep their overtime spend down, but you know, it really maybe is a call to arms when you can see that your overtime spend is much higher than other similar, like similar organizations or, um, in recruiting, say, you're, hey, it's, this is a, a tough position to fill. You think, you have no idea, but having the ability to share that this is the, the typical time to fill a critical role, such as a, a data scientist. This is what we're seeing across the industry on how long it takes to fill that position just kind of helps either, um, again, provide that direction and, and set expectations, right? This is kind of what the market sees. And, you know, if we can share things like this is the, the average, but also here are what organizations who do this really well see, like the top 10% um, across peers, so that you can really start to setting your um, your targets to where where you want them to be. So, um, and then by setting that and seeing where you're going for, um, it just makes it easy to help you understand: it. is your organization getting closer to reaching obtainable goals? Um, and that's um, having that context makes all of that possible by having so much data. It sounds so simple and so obvious, but it's only possible when you have this treasure trove of data that ADP has at its disposal, right? That's that's the magic is that now um, a retail store manager has both competitive information and performance information available on their phone at the moment that they need it. That's, that's, that's so much 
of an improvement, and yet it seems like it should have always been like that. I know, and I think it is the, I think it's the realization of having all of this data, right, and getting it into shape and making it useful. And also, and the other part of it, John, is the, there's all of the data, but there's also the amount of interactions and use of the software that is happening all the time. So it's not just organizations like you helping guide, you know, your direction, but also people who are doing similar roles and practitioners or HR professionals or even managers. What what metrics are they looking at? What are they caring about? Um, kind of mixing all of that data together because of, you know, just how many users we have really provides like a, the ability to build an intelligence around, you know, not just industry and, and organizations, but also around how folks come in to use our application. So I, I like to relate it to um, an assistant who starts to learn to anticipate um, what's important to you, but also it's an assistant that comes in taught by all of this data, right? All of this wisdom from others that have been in a similar situation as you in your company um, that maybe was there five years ago, right? And here's all the data and all the important things from someone in that same role and having that assistant learn from that to provide the direction, make recommendations, suggestions, and, and starting to help anticipate what you probably want to know and, and serving it to you by pushing it to you versus you having to think about what you want and then going and asking for it. That's that's where you get, you know, true intelligence, I, I think, in software, and that's where we see it going. And it's and you're right, John, only possible when you have this, you know, something so valuable as this treasure trove of, of ADP's data. So what are the ethical issues in your work? Well, there are there are many. Um First is, of course, you know, security and safety of the data. Um, anonymization and, and aggregation of all the data um, is is key. We won't ever use anything um, unless there is at least, you know, five organizations, ten employees in that set, um, because we not only because it, it, it's got to be statistically significant, but also obviously we we can't um, we can't have anyone unwind this data. And and by anyone, I mean um, anyone using the data, but even within our organization, um, data is stripped out um, so that people can't see who the people are. They just get, you know, who, not who they specifically are, but and not even the companies that they work for, but just the fact that they're in um, particular roles in, for companies of different industries. That's that's one. Um, second is um, it's interesting. It's biases that come through. You hear quite a bit um, in intelligence is, you know, you and more recently in the in the news around things that are making suggestions that are built upon data that was biased to begin with. Pay equity, um, even in recruiting systems, just came up recently this week around uh, recruiting systems being shut down because the realization was that the hiring decisions being made from in the past were informing an algorithm going forward and was not, it was basically, um, those biases were, in, were included in the algorithms of making decisions going forward. Now, 
So that's always a big part of it for us. And, you know, I, I think because of the data set that we have, being able to um, remove features and factors such as age, gender, um, race, ethnicity, um, removing those factors from, from the data and focusing on what's important, the job that you're doing, the performance of the person, the skills that they have, regardless of anything that should never come into those conversations and hiring practices and, 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 and how they're going to be, how they're going to be compensated by having that kind of scale of data and having those features removed. Um, it's my opinion that only by doing that, making sure that you're the algorithms and the data that you're feeding into the mechanism to help with the algorithms um, will actually be bias free um, because it's only using the factors um, that would not be biased, and there's no sub, there's no unconscious bias, is what I guess I'm trying to get to. That sometimes humans have, machines don't have biases. They're just taught by either good data or bad data. So I, that's that's a big part of this for us, John, is is making sure that what we're building um, really focuses in on the talent and the skills, and not where a person grew up or the color of their skin. It's, it's, it's an interesting and difficult area. Some, sometime in the future, I would love to have one of these uh, conversations with you about whether or not it's possible to eliminate bias from data. I, I don't believe it is. Um, mm. I, I, think, I think precisely what you have to do is rely on tweaking to get it right, because you know, if, you, if you look at that Amazon example, um, yep. They couldn't get the bias out of the data. Mm. That's why they had to shut it down. They couldn't. They couldn't right. stop the bias from happening because every culture is an expression of bias. That's interesting. I think it's. I think, and we can go. I mean, this is this is a definitely a subject. Yeah, it's another. I, it's, a, it's another show. It's, it's so, it so I'm sure done that to you we're we're reaching the end of our rope here <laughs> and uh, um uh, but but that's sort of the the uh the the setup for the next conversation i think i think we could have a very interesting conversation about the the strengths and weaknesses okay. of data in general um you're on um, sounds good this has been great this has been so fantastic i really appreciate you taking the time to do this would you reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you. Oh, absolutely. Again, uh, my name is Mark Rin, Chief Data Scientist um, and Vice President of Product Development at ADP. Uh, follow me on Twitter, I guess is the easiest way, at M-A-R-C-R-I-N-D. It's I spell Mark actually the right way with a C. Um, uh, that's probably <laughs> the best way to see what I'm up to and, and reach out. And thank you, John, for having me. Oh, thanks. This was great. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been having a delightful conversation with Mark Rind, who is ADP's Chief Data Scientist. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again, Mark. And thanks, Benefit Ed, for sponsoring us. We really appreciate your support. Bye-bye now. We'll see you next week. 